You are listening to the Actor Aesthetic Podcast, episode 120, featuring the creators of One Million Musicals, Jacob Ben Shmuel and Alan Blake Bachelor. You are in for a treat today. This is a very special episode. Let's get started. just heard was a clip from Lady Jane's Radio Takeover, a brand new musical that was just released on the musical podcast, One Million Musicals, created by Jacob Ben Shmuel and Alan Blake Batchelor. In September 2020, Jacob and Alan found themselves on the journey of a musical podcast lifetime. Cue One Million Musicals. What's One Million Musicals, you ask? Well, it's a podcast with a simple dream, to write and produce one million podcast musicals. Each month, their team of writers, producers, and performers from across Broadway, film, and TV create a brand new podcast musical for your ears to enjoy. In this episode, I chat with the co-creators about their inspiration behind One Million Musicals, what exactly goes into creating a podcast musical, their latest episode, Lady Jane's Radio Takeover starring, you guessed it, me and more about how you can listen, how you can get involved, and what's to come. I am floored by the work that this creative team is doing for the arts community during these unprecedented times. So without further ado, please sit back, relax, and enjoy our chat. She doesn't go for me. Thank you so much for joining me today on the Actor Aesthetic Podcast. Let's talk about the brilliance that is One Million Musicals. What is it and what was your inspiration behind creating it? Uh, yeah, so this is basically a... <laughs> <laughs> we have set out on a bold mission to create a one million brand new podcast musicals um so far they have all been written by <laughs> me and jacob that's right uh and it's just been a journey to tell like brand new stories um and do whatever do whatever we want and we release them once a month that's right so uh you know we're on all the major podcast platforms and if you look up one million musicals you'll find us every single month we will have a brand new original podcast musical for your listening pleasure uh and we will absolutely reach one million of them so stay tuned for the next eighty three thousand years you or might, so yeah you might have to you <laughs> we're working on the immortality thing i think i think we're a few years from having that cracked so um, yeah exactly I love it. So did either of you ever have any previous experience working on podcasts? I had a little bit. So I was on the uh, Book of Mormon national tour for a few years after I left college. And my I was a standby on tour for Elder Cunningham. And being a standby basically means that you sit backstage and, and wait until you're needed to take to 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 go on stage and play the role if something happens or if somebody's out of town or whatever. So uh, my 
best friend on the tour, Rob Colvin, who was also a standby, we had a lot of time on our hands. And so we decided to start a podcast, um, basically just about being on tour and the different places that we traveled and like the experience of that, which was a lot of fun. But the amount of work that One Million Musicals takes to create compared to the amount of work that that podcast took to the to create it's like there's just no comparison <laughs> yeah it's very different when you're trying to take something that actually has a narrative to it and has like you know more elements than just like, like a cast people talking it's like it has underscore <laughs> um it cast has the you know, fully composed songs. songs like yeah it's uh it's a lot but we i mean we love it you went to college together, and you both have been working on writing musicals now for a few years. So how did that all begin for you? Okay, so Jacob was acting <laughs> in a movie that I had written with my brother. Um, it was my brother's senior thesis. And we uh, were talking about, about you know weird musical ideas because he had told me that he had written these two wacky musicals in high school Mm -hmm. Uh, one of them was Batman. I forget what the other one yes. uh, was it, based so on. One of them was Batman, the musical in 3D. And the first one that I ever wrote was an, a musical version of The Imaginary Invalid by Moliere. Um, so they're, they're pretty weird. <laughs> they're very weird. I told him this idea that I had for that I had, I had had for a musical for a while. And it's very odd. <laughs> and it's called Robo Rome. Um, and so we started working on that together. I mean, at first it was a while of like, we didn't really understand. I and mean, we were still just developing as writers and like developing our own process of meeting up. So at first it wasn't exactly consistent. And so after a while of spinning our wheels, we came up with this other musical idea that we call Brad Knows Nothing. And, and that's kind of where we just started running with it. Like, we started working on that show in probably 2015, 2016, 2016. Like. And we worked on it for years. And um, finally, like after, after, so Alan's a year above me, after he had graduated, after I had graduated, while I was on the road, we got that show got accepted into the New York Musical Festival, but it got accepted into their developmental reading um, series. So, like, we ended up having to gather a team and like put up this reading version of the show, which was such a great learning experience. I think, uh, especially in terms of like rewriting quickly, like realizing, <laughs> Hey, this doesn't work. Yeah. And our shows in like a week. So let's rewrite the end of this. Let's rewrite or this whole things song. Like, like that sort of thing. This doesn't work. And our show was last night, but also this <laughs> afternoon. <laughs> so we need exactly, which is honestly such a good process for, uh, or, or such a good learning process for us in terms of this project where with 1 million musicals, we have to have a new show every month. So if something isn't working, you have to, you can't be afraid to just say, all right, we're scrapping it and we're starting again and we're going to get something that works this time. So, uh, and we, we kind of never stopped writing together, but it really was the, this project is where we started writing constantly. So that was like in September of this year, we mm -hmm. got the idea and we decided we were going to release a Halloween episode. And it was like, okay, we have to start writing. And, and since it was then already we, September, yeah, so. it was already September. So at this point we 
then we just haven't stopped writing since then because we don't have time to stop. So you have a series that you release within one million musicals called The Anatomy of a Song, which is always fascinating to listen to. And it talks about how you create various songs for your musicals. So what is, between the two of you, what is the your process for writing these songs from nothing to a full-fledged musical song? That's a super good question. Uh, and we go into immense depth on this in those episodes, Anatomy of a Song. And we also have our, compo- our, our, our orchestrator slash arranger, Daniel Clintworth, with us, who is, you know, a genius. So his uh, his and input is super useful as well. Process, yeah. yeah. But f- in terms of the actual writing... It starts with the idea or like, you know, what what needs to happen in this song? Like what plot elements, character elements or thematic elements are we trying to get across with this song? And then we tend to start. uh, It's twofold. We start with the lyrics and around the same time, we're listening to songs that we want this song to sound kind of like. Because as a as a musician, for me, like it's always. I'm always taking inspiration from other stuff and sort of compiling it together into our own versions. So we'll like right now we're working on a and a musical with a bunch of like 80s inspired music. So we'll have like 80s playlists that we're sending back and forth between one another, listening to them while we're typing cool. out the lyrics, figuring out, oh, yeah, this needs to feel like one of these old montage songs. Oh, this should feel like the never ending story like theme. So how can we how can we write lyrics that support that? And then I take those lyrics, figure out the melodies and the chords that are going to sort of, uh, that are going to match them. And then that's when Daniel Clintworth takes over and turns my, you know, chicken scratch into magic. (laughs) So, you know, the concept of creating a musical, a podcast musical, nonetheless, during a worldwide pandemic, when we can't meet in person to collaborate and to record all of that is is mind boggling. So after you've written the lyrics and the music and the script and you've cast the show, what's your process of actually recording and producing the musical? Yeah, I mean, we have a process of having everyone work remotely from where they are. And Jacob can speak more specifically to the to the process that he does one on one with the actors. But yeah, we have. I th- I think it's been it's been actually remarkably um, well running. You know, with with how many different like people we're working with in however many different places. Um, I think we've been able to to keep things together pretty well. But yeah, Jacob, do you want to talk more about the? Yeah. Specifics? Uh, well, Maggie, you know a little bit about this uh, because if folks listen to our episode that was released today. Um, you will hear Maggie's voice. She's a, you're, you're playing the lead in the show. It's you, you play the role of Jane in Lady Jane's radio takeover and, uh, you're fantastic in it. But so, so as you know, basically, uh, once the script is sent out, once everything is cast, normally what we do is we have a zoom reading, uh, where we read through the show and everybody sort of gets a vibe for it. We actually didn't do it with this episode because there's like two characters, but, uh, then, I sort of put on my director hat and I have one-on-one recording sessions with each of our actors where 
I'll play the other roles like they're recording. I can talk through the character with them. You know, what's so nice about being the writer as well as sort of the director in this sense is, oh, let's figure out how this line fits best in your voice. If we need to adjust it a little bit, like we can because, you know, Alan and I wrote it. So I can be like, yeah, you can adjust it a little there, you know, or like add this little thing that we forgot to write down, you know. Um, But that way... Uh, I can make sure, because I, I also edit the episodes together once we have all of the dialogue and the songs and stuff. So having these one-on-one sessions with everybody makes sure that I have a, a, a real, like, the full scope of what the show is going to be, and I can tailor each performance to make sure that they really mesh and fit in with each other and feel like they're in the same place. Because you're right, that is part of the mm-hmm. challenge of doing this from afar, but it also gives us a lot of freedom in the sense that uh, we can we can mix and match and try different takes and figure out the ways. You know, a lot of the times I'm surprised by how well a take will work that I didn't hear it in my head when we wrote it. But, oh, gosh, this is beautiful. And using this person's other take and using this sound effect, it really can tie it all together. I have to say goodbye. So it written the good times never last for long and I hope you remember our song Jacob you mentioned it and we will talk about it today which is Lady Jane's radio takeover yes. which I was so fortunate to be a part of. So tell me a little bit about the message of the show and also this really fun style that you took on. Um I think that the message of the show uh ultimately is one of trying to uh not let the world shut down who you are. Um, in any way, and sometimes people will create uh, systems or rules that are trying to keep you in a position that stops you from being able to uh, show who you really are. So, you know, it's it's about it's about breaking some boundaries and and all that kind of stuff. We started with this idea of a '50s radio show, which yeah. is what the episode is like if you listen to the episode the entire thing is presented as an unbroken radio broadcast which is something that we actually haven't done yet on these uh with with this project so it was really exciting to try that out so we started with that idea and the biggest thing that hit us when we were talking about the 50s and i think alan brought it up first is like it's everyone such a problematic was so, time yeah <laughs> well it's so problematic and also like everyone was super conformist and that was like the cool thing to be was like con- <laughs> like conform to what everybody else does you know like we have the white picket fence and everybody's house looks the exact same it's like somewhere that's green from uh from little shop of horrors it's that but like as a whole decade you know so yeah. we we couldn't just unironically present a radio show and be like, isn't this jazzy and fun? So we had to sort of, we had to come up with this character who was trying to push against those boundaries a little bit. And that is what Jane became. Um, And so it's really about this character who locks herself in a DJ booth and just plays her and her friend's music because nobody else will let them play it. Uh, And... So through that, we're kind of 
we have this message like Alan talked about, about pushing against societal boundaries that are kind of built up in yeah, front of you. It allows us to live in that kind of, because I'm especially a huge fan of a lot of the music of that mm-hmm. era. I love all that doo-wop and early rock and roll. And uh, it's really fun to live there musically, but yeah, you can't. It just... would not be fun <laughs> to live there for real, though. So we yeah. had to figure out how to avoid that. It's a bit different, yeah. When you when you look at the harsh realities, uh, right? right. Which it. is actually, you know, really great that you guys took that time period with its beautiful music and sounds and all of that stuff, but then uh, took a very universal message that is still so important today. So why do you think that theme, the overall theme of, of Lady Jane's radio takeover is so important now? In a weird way, that message resonates with us as the creators of this podcast and as the creators of musical theater content, because getting a musical produced is impossible. (laughs) You can't, it's impossible. You have to have like the richest producers who just believe in you no matter what and are totally cool with losing all their money. Mm. Like it's impossible to do. But we created a project in One Million Musicals where we're the gatekeepers of our own, uh, of our own product. We can put whatever we want out. built the gate. We, we build the gate and then we open it and anybody can walk through. Like we, we, that's true. Any wacky idea we have, we can produce in this context and it doesn't cost a million dollars. And, um, mm. I think there's a lot of freedom with that. So in a way, aren't we all Lady Jane in making this project? <laughs> yeah, I think, I think it's, it's really true looking at it from an, an artistic perspective because like, especially as you start climbing up to to any kind of point where money yeah. starts to become yeah. a factor everyone i shouldn't say everyone but but the average uh person who is thinking you know from their perspective rationally looking at at uh, these kind of shows as a business is going to want to see more evidence that it's actually going to some be something that's worth investing in. So explaining to them some wacky, weird idea just kind of becomes like a non-option. It's not that the wacky, weird idea is bad. It's just like when you have to explain to your boss and then they have to explain to their boss like why it is that they, sh- they should pour millions of dollars into yeah. something. <laughs> like it It becomes a... Um, a massive suppressing effect on on something brand new that doesn't feel like it fits within the mold. And I love that you're writing for certain types of voices, certain types of genres. Um, what's what's next? And and talk to me a little bit about the styles that you've already written and and what's to come. Oh, our first musical, How to Be Spooky, featured kind of uh, a. a a slightly broad uh, scope of genres, but it was mainly all in this sort of fun rock inspired in some ways, you know, because it's Halloween, uh, we had like some Rocky horror inspiration. And then it was of course mixed in with lots of like theremin and fun, spooky kind of uh, Halloween sounds. Um, the next one we did was Lawman with no gun, which was based on uh, a lot of country western kind of music, a lot of like very traditional cowboy kind of stuff, but putting a you know an over the top kind of goofy spin 
on the whole thing. Uh, and then the Christmas one, I mean, some of the songs, I guess, aren't explicitly like, like what is Christmas music, uh, aside from just like music that's about Christmas. <laughs> it became very existential. We had to ask ourselves that question while we were writing the music of that show. <laughs> like, how do we, how do you write a song that sounds like a Christmas song and also isn't like just boring <laughs> because there's a lot of yeah. like boring, bad Christmas music. So we had to figure that out, but I actually, I think we did a pretty darn good job. Like I am super proud of it. So our Christmas episode, which is over an hour long. So if you're looking for a little late uh, holiday cheer, check out the South pole Santa Claus, but that one is totally, uh, totally Christmas with a musical theater bent, right? Like that one is our most musical theater based so far. And then Lady Jane's, which comes out today, is all, like we said, 50s doo-wop, early rock and roll inspired. Um, the next one we're working on, uh, I think I mentioned this earlier, but it's all 80s themed music. Uh, not not sort of the 80s hair metal, but more of like the 80s pop, like the sort of lighter side of it. Uh and then after that, I mean, we were literally discussing this before we got on this interview. We're we're sort of between a uh, a sort of '90s boy band idea and a, a sea shanty musical. <laughs> so, you know, we've got a wide variety of styles we want to play in. Clearly, you create <laughs> a new musical every single month. That's right. I know, obviously, the goal is to make one million musicals, right. <laughs> but how many are you working on at a time, and how do you keep that creativity going? You know, the truth is, we are, uh, it's not quite laying down the tracks of the train as you're riding along it, but it's close. Like, we, we are kicking around our ideas for, like, our show that's going to come out in March, but we don't know what that idea is yet. We don't know which one we're going to solidify on and we're halfway through writing the script of the february episode right now that comes out in you know a, m a month so it's i think for me at least and, and maybe alan can speak to himself but for me the pressure of we gotta get something out let's start writing like what's this idea that is super helpful like i was always a huge procrastinator in school and then I would like do everything last minute and get stuff done and we're not procrastinating with this it's just we have an exact amount of time and we have to work in that time frame we have to get it done and so we get it done and I think that that's that's something I feel like a lot of theater that that's a spirit that a lot of theater sort of has to it especially like when you're making stuff in school where it's like this there's no way it's gonna happen but it does. Jeez, I remember every single high school production I was in felt like it was about to like completely be <laughs> horrible. And <laughs> I mean, I'm sure some of them were. It's funny because uh, actually this February musical is the first time that we had an idea. And then we're like, this doesn't work. Let's scrap it. <laughs> like after, you know, maybe a week of working on it. And it was like, this just uh, we, we got to come up with something new. Yeah, I mean, we 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 couldn't we didn't have time to to take an idea that clearly had problems mm -hmm. with how we were conceiving right. it, um, and just like, yeah, we don't have time to to experiment with a long, uh, you know, trip into to an idea that won't work. 
Now that the podcast is gaining some traction and you have a good understanding of what it takes to make every episode, how are you looking to cast upcoming episodes? Well, we are really excited about the sort of possibilities of this project. And we feel like there's a lot of hidden talent out there that we just don't have access to. You know, we've been really lucky with our team and the folks that we just happen to know in the industry to have great big names like Ron Bomer and Sandra Joseph and Kevin Clay and Cody Strand, like all these amazing Broadway stars who have, you know, graced our show. But we are looking to sort of expand that. And uh, we're starting a brand new casting initiative that we're really excited about. So if you are a writer, a, an actor with a with a mic set up, a singer, uh, a composer, an orchestrator, an editor, a podcaster, anything that you think you'd want to work on this sort of project, you can email uh, a resume and samples of your work to castme1mm at gmail.com. And we are going to be looking at those submissions and we're going to be casting from that. We're going to be hopefully, you know, finding some new folks to work with and bounce ideas off of. And this is something that we're we're really excited about. <laughs> yeah, We're also uh, doing a an artist cabaret in in February that is going to be featuring some uh, new writers that some uh, some of them are people that we've uh, worked with because they've lent their voices uh, to the show. Um, but this is also another thing that we hope to be doing um, in the future to just, you know, bring more people into the project and, and try and make sure that we're giving other people opportunities to uh, use this format, you know, despite yeah. their ideas. Because we feel like this format is hugely underutilized right now in the world of theater. Like, I I just... There's so it's such a low barrier to entry. The the price, you know, the budget is so low for this sort of thing. If you, it's really just a budget of like hard work and drive, you know. Mm -hmm. So we want to be inviting other people into this process because we think we're getting, you know, with every musical we make, we get better at it. And we want to help uh highlight other writers, other people's voices uh because we are sort of building this platform with which to do that. So yeah, yeah we it don't want to this... forever be the only ones writing musicals for this project exactly. because there's probably lots of uh, awesome talent out there that could also be contributing uh, things. Yep. And then we could be, you know, tackling other things on like that push this sitting project back, even, even bigger. Sipping, sipping on drinks, you know, we're just going to, yeah, we're just going to sit back, give up, <laughs> uh, reap, reap the, Reap the massive <laughs> economic the rewards of being an <laughs> anthological musical podcaster. But, you know, something that makes it so special is that because you created this during a time where theater has been virtually shut down everywhere, is that it really does make you feel like you are back in the seats of a Broadway theater. And when I listened to your first episode, I got so many chills you had orchestra tune-ups and for me that that was it I was I was sold and so it really did give me insight into what it would be like in a theater right now where we haven't been since March of 2020 almost a year ago so 
for the both of you, what makes this project so special? I think that one of my favorite things about the project uh, comes back to that feeling of of being in a theater um, because I think that in a lot of ways, this is something that can extend beyond um, just the scope of the pandemic because there's a lot of people who even in the best of times don't live near a theater that that is going to be showing, uh, you know, high caliber um, you know, well-rehearsed shows. And uh, they also may not have the, yeah, they may not be able to afford to get in. So, so I like that we are putting shows out there that give you that experience of being in a Broadway theater, seeing Broadway caliber actors, and you're still hearing, uh, you know, their, their extremely talented voices and having, you know, Dan's wonderful orchestrations filling everything in. And uh, it creates this experience without costing them anything, and they can experience it without having to even leave their leave their home. Yeah, I mean, I you know, similar to you, Maggie, like I've missed theater like crazy. You know, I was I was on the road when the pandemic hit, so my my job was gone, and theater was just gone. I actually performed in March in L.A. Alan saw like maybe my last performance what we had no idea yeah, was going to be your didn't last know performance was going to be my last performance as elder cunningham <laughs> maybe ever and then everything shut down and like i know for me like i spent the first few months of quarantine in a pretty in a pretty rough place like i was i, I was not doing well and it was through starting this project and finding a new way of bringing of of working my own theatrical muscles and like bringing theater to life that has been so special to me and like essential. Like, I don't think I would be in the same place that I am right now, just like emotionally and mentally if I didn't have this project. And I'm hoping that some other folks who might be missing theater as much as I am, uh, that this can bring that sort of magic back for them, even in a small way. What is your biggest goal for 1 million musicals? Numerically speaking, to make 1 million musicals. <laughs> <laughs> How did I know you're going to say that? <laughs> the other thing, the, a secondary goal, you know, obviously what making 1 million is the primary, but we also we have we absolutely have dreams of making this into an animated show uh. at some point. Alan and I love cartoons. <laughs> we've always loved cartoons <laughs> and we've bonded about how much we love cartoons. And we realized after writing our first episode that the stuff we're writing is just already cartoons. Like I think yeah. it, you know, it's built for the audio space, but I do not think it would take other than obviously an enormous team of very talented animators. I don't think like story structure wise, it would take a lot to bring these stories to life in an animated fashion. So, uh, if there are any animators in this audience who are like super interested in chatting about this, please email us one million musicals at gmail.com. Is there um, anything else you two would like to add? If you are interested in, in our show, uh, please give it a listen. Uh, the episode that comes out today is awesome. Maggie's incredible in it. Um, today is in January 18th. You might be listening to this in two years. In which case, go watch our animated show that has definitely already been produced. But uh, <laughs> but if you do listen to the podcast, please leave us a rating and a review on whichever podcast platform you have. That is so, so huge uh, for getting 
just for the algorithms, you know? And if you like it, please share it around. Like we're, you know, we're a pretty new show, but we really believe in what we are doing. Uh, so we'd love it if you shared it with your friends and family and enemies and just anybody. And finally, if you listen and you just love it so much that you want to support us in a more tangible way, yep. we do have a Patreon, patreon.com slash one million musicals. We put a bunch of cool extra stuff there. We've got, we have playbills. We call them pod bills uh, for every single episode. We have like uh, your own tickets. We have extra like behind the scenes bonus content. You know, eventually we're going to have sheet music up on there. We've got like scripts up on there. So there's going to be a ton of extra stuff there. Uh, so if you're interested, th we also have that. <laughs> well, thank you two so much for joining. This has been so lovely getting to chat with you, but more so getting to work with you. I just implored by all the things that you have been creating during this time. And I really look forward to what's to come. Thank you so much, Maggie. It was an absolute pleasure. Yeah, and hopefully we work together soon sometime. If you enjoyed today's episode and you found it helpful, I would love it if you could screenshot it and share it to your Instagram stories so that I can see who is following along with me there. If you haven't already, please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast app. Join me every single week for a brand new episode of the Actor Aesthetic Podcast, bringing you behind the scenes of the theater industry. Until then, this is Maggie Barra signing off. It takes a village. I'll see you next week.